Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we are all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, so good to see you today. Welcome, welcome. I'm excited to be kicking off a new series this weekend called Frames, and uh, I, I, I wonder if maybe you can just use your imagination for a moment, whatever house you have now or where you grew up, like imagine the, the frames on the walls and the pictures in them and that kind of thing. And for me, this, uh, this past week, I was at my mom's house and uh, I, I, rem- I was looking at the frames that were on the walls. And I, I feel like these frames that I've seen have always been a part of my life story, like from the time I grew up. Like the, these, here's a couple of them. I mean, these They've, they've been in different houses, but it seems like wherever we've lived, these frames have been kind of part of the story. And, and a lot of the frames in my mom's house uh, also are, are art that my grandmother created. Like this, this one uh, has, you know, for as long as I've been alive, it's been on the wall in some house of my parents. And this one in particular, this frame with that subtle artwork in it, it's a gloomy, cloudy, rainy day, but there's life and there's hope, and there's possibility, and there's protection, right? And every time I see that picture in that frame, it hits my heart. It just does. And my grandma painted that. And I, I'm thinking, man, I think that little girl in the pink and the pink and, and the yellow rain jacket is kind of awesome, like just stomping through that rain, and it's going to be okay, right? And, and I, I love that picture. It hits me. When you have something in a frame, it has the capacity to focus your attention in and maybe even communicate a message, and then in my mom's house, uh, there's also these other pictures, you know, a bunch of them everywhere, but on this one shelf right now anyway, a bunch of pictures that take me back, right? Because, you know, if I zero in on this a little bit, you can see that uh, is my sister and me, uh, you know, dressed up for Easter when we're whatever, seven years old or something. <laughs> and, and I see that picture and instantly I'm transported back to those simpler days, right, where the pressure's gone and all you got to do is play and make a mess and someone else cleans it up, <laughs> the good day. Uh, but that's me. Like, and I see this picture and, and I just want to say, like, if you ever have something happen where I make you laugh here in church, I need you to know that I worked on that because deep down, this is me, serious to the core. I came out of the factory that way. Anyway, I want you to just take a moment right now and open the Bible to Luke chapter 7. And so open up your Bible, or at least your Bible app, to Luke chapter 7. And then while you're turning to Luke chapter 7, I want you to be thinking about Jesus. And in this series called Frames, what I'd like to do is, is have us get our hearts around Jesus in a very unique way. And when, when, you, when you put something in a frame, when you put a picture in a frame, it's often because there's a moment that happened that meant a lot to you, and you want to relive it or see it again and be reminded of its meaning. Or sometimes you put something in a frame just because you have a deep love for that person and and the relationship there. And so what we're going to do in this series called Frames is is we're going to, if you can go there with me, we're going to have some pictures of Jesus that we put a frame around to capture the moment and let it affect us and affect us again and again in a new way. And so this series, uh, Frames, I specifically want to focus in on the way Jesus modeled for us to live generously. Everybody just say, live generously. Oh, you sounded really enthusiastic, let me tell you. (laughs) I want you to say it like it maybe has some good connotations down the road somehow. Ready? Live generously. There you are. There you are. Live generously. That's where we're going to be going in this series. I'm going to be diving into the Jesus that we know and love and how he demonstrated for us living generously in four particular ways. So we're going to talk about loving generously. We're going to talk about serving generously. We're going to talk about leading generously. We're going to talk about giving generously. But at the core, it's you and me stepping up to be people who live in a generous approach to life. We're going to work on living generously in this series. That's what we're going to do. Does that sound good? Yeah, Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to work on living generously. And we're going to start with with Jesus and a frame around a moment in the life of Jesus in Luke 7. And so in in Luke 7, we're going to turn there right now. Hopefully you got there. And we're going to jump right into the middle of the chapter. What has just happened is that Jesus raised 
there was a widow in this town of Nain, and Jesus raised her son from the dead. It was powerful and amazing, and everybody knew about it. And Jesus was on people's radar, and people were turning to him. There's this one guy named Simon who had been known as Simon the leper, and he has been healed of leprosy. And because of that, he is now not known as Simon the leper anymore, but he, he, he's part of the Pharisee movement, so he's called Simon the Pharisee. Anyway, he throws a big dinner party and invites Jesus over. And so that's where we're going to begin reading. If you got to Luke chapter 7, verse 39, say, got it. Got it. Okay. So Luke chapter 7, verse 39. Oh, I, I, I need to get it. Okay. Luke 7, 30, 36. Sorry, 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city was, heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. This is a moment of living generously. And, and in particular, this is a moment of loving generously. And if you let this moment kind of take something up in your imagination, it's a kind of a crazy moment. Have you ever seen anything like this in, in your lifetime? Anything like it? Like, no, probably not. It's an amazing moment. And this moment is recorded in all four Gospels. It's recorded uh, in Matthew 26, Mark 14, John 12, and here in Luke 7. And you know what? We're not going to get into a bunch of hair splitting about, well, I think it was one event recorded four times, or ah, it was actually two times, and then one of them, it, whether it was two times or one time, it's in all four Gospels. And it's something that happened who Jesus that Jesus even said in one of the other accounts that it's so important that everywhere that the gospel gets preached, the story is going to get told. Like, it really mattered to Jesus. Whatever was going on in this moment, it really mattered to Jesus. And he wanted to make sure that we would hear about it. And we're hearing about it today. So you just got to picture it. Picture a picture frame. And instead of a nice picture frame where it's three people going like this, it's Jesus sitting at a dinner party. And coming up behind him, on the ground is this woman weeping, sobbing, crying. And then she busts out this perfume. And that, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. It, it was a generous kind of a love that she was pouring out in this moment. She is pouring out something extremely valuable. I mean, you and I hear about perfume, and we're like, what's the big deal? I mean, you go down to CVS, and you can get a bottle of Vanderbilt for $8. I looked it up online. Like, that's the cheapest bottle of perfume you can buy on the face of the earth. It's $8 Vanderbilt at CVS. And, and you could, or you could do worse. You could go buy a $4 spray can of Axe body spray, and nobody needs that anymore in their life. Anyway, this is, this is this moment where generous love is being poured out at the feet of Jesus. So much so that even her own tears are mixing with the perfume and and it's, it's a valuable expression of love. I mean, even for most of us today, we still understand perfume is something extremely valuable. And, and we skip the cheap stuff and find something very nice and, and make a presentation of it. And it communicates somebody that we treasure. And it's, it's usually reserved for giving to somebody that, that we have an intimate connection with. Like, for example, growing up, I remember my dad every year, whether it was Valentine's Day or the anniversary or whatever, it seemed like he was always getting my mom a bottle of Chanel perfume. And, and her eyes lit up every time, even though it was very routine. <laughs> happened all the same time every year. Here's another bottle for the new year. But... It was a, a gesture of value and intimacy and closeness, and it brought a smile to my mom's face. It, it, it communicated a, a, a lot of love. And so me and my sister, I mean, we were kids, and we're thinking we wanted to also you know, show my mom some love. So we're thinking, how do we do it? What, what do we get her? And what popped into our minds was that dad always got her perfume, so we should do that too. Oh, man, we don't have any money. 
we figured we'd get creative. And I remember this moment going out into the garden with my sister, and we started plucking rose petals off. And, and we put the rose petals in a jar, and we mashed them up, and we added whatever we could find, like some salt and some oil and who knows what else, and mashed it up good. And, and, we, and, it, and it smelled. It, it smelled. It, it smelled like rose mush, you know? And we handed it to my mom, and her eyes lit up, and she was so pleased, even though it was kind of atrocious looking. She knew what it meant. It meant we, we really wanted her to know how much we loved her. But this woman, she's taken perfume, and we know from the way this is told in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark 14, that this perfume in the alabaster jar it was really expensive, like 300 denarii, which is the equivalent of something like $50,000 a year or whatever a year's wages for an average worker would be. It was a lot. It was a big deal. And so it, it, was, it was filling the room. And it was an extravagant display of love. And I personally, I read this, and what comes to my mind is, I love that woman. Do you know what I mean? I, I love that woman. I love that she did not hold back on her love for Jesus. I love that she's just like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care if it seems wasteful. I don't care if it draws attention in a weird way. I just don't care because I love him. I love what he's done. I love who he is. I love who he will be. I love him, and I'm not going to hold back my love. I'm going to pull it, pour it out on full display for all to see and for him to receive. I love that lady. Don't you? Like, I don't get the chance to crawl up to Jesus' feet and just weep and thank him, at least not in, the, in, in physical person. So I'm glad that she did, because he deserves that. The Jesus I know, he deserves a moment like that. And that woman kind of stood in for all of the rest of us, didn't she? Doing what, if our hearts were actually awake to the value of the gospel, we would wish we could do too. And so I, I love this woman. And this moment... Crazy moment, nice fancy dinner party, nice Pharisees hanging out, and uh, here comes this woman wailing, crying, washing his feet with her, her own tears and hair. It's a crazy moment. You can, if you could imagine it, like the smell of nard, this perfume just kind of filling the air, and everybody's attention is turned this way. What is going on? And, and it's this extravagant display of love, but not everybody saw it that way, namely the host, Simon. And this is what happens next. In verse 39, it says, well, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. That's how he sounds in my mind. You just have to put up with it. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. <laughs> this guy was not loving generously. Would you agree? He was not loving generously. In instead, actually, what he's doing is, is, is he's standing in a posture of total condemnation and judgment about this woman. He doesn't know what she's been through. He doesn't know her backstory that much. All he knows is, is the headline that people talk about about this woman. And yes, in, in the verses that were preceding this, where it described her as an immoral woman, yes, that's a euphemism for a, a woman who was selling her body, who was a hooker on the streets or prostitute. Yes, that's the kind of woman that was coming to Jesus' feet. And all this guy could see was that, her past and the wrong she's done and the way she has been shady and, and, and living uh, outside of, of, God's, of God's work. And that's all that they could see, these, these Pharisees. The word Pharisee is one that you should probably be familiar with, especially if you're kind of new to the Bible. So I want you to just say that word, Pharisee. Say it, Pharisee, Pharisee, Pharisee. The Pharisees are a group of people in the Jewish community at the time of Jesus, and actually even to this day, that want to honor the word of God. Like that is what the Pharisees were known for, is for a desire to really live every bit of God's word and try to do it all right. And at the heart, it's actually a beautiful thing. The, the Pharisees were, a, a, you could call it a, a renewal movement within Judaism, within the Jewish community. And so I, I don't want to push on them too much, although you do know that Jesus had pr you know, plenty of moments where he says, whoa to you Pharisees, because he didn't like the way they were, they were playing heavy 
religious with God's word. And this is another one of those moments where that very thing is happening. This guy, because of his vantage point, all he can see is she is an immoral woman. We already talked about what that means. And she doesn't have any place around here. She shouldn't be getting close to Jesus. That's the pharisaical perspective. Here's what happens. Sometimes religious people are well-meaning in their desire to try to do right by God's word, but lose sight of the fact that God's word is given so that human beings can have a revelation of who God is so that we can know God and begin to live in his love. But the religious mindset says, no, 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 no. I'm going to take that word, and instead of letting it be a conduit through which there's an experience of encounter with God, instead, I'm going to make it a, a layer of rules that I have to make sure I live by and everybody else has to as well. And I'm watching you, and I'm looking out at you, and you're not doing it right. That's the religious mindset. And it's not just a problem that Jesus dealt with 2,000 years ago in this Pharisee's house. This is a propensity for religious people, <laughs> even to this day, that I think we need to be watchful for. Because there is a correlation between your pride and religious bondage and the limited flow of God's love coming through you. And so I want us to just think about that as we're unpacking this moment. And, and I look at the way Jesus dealt with this moment. And, and Jesus, Jesus is already aware of this woman. He knows everything about her, where she's been, what she's done, how bad it all was. He knows. He knows every bit about it. And yet, what do you see? What you see is she's loving generously, but then Jesus is loving generously. Here's how. Jesus is loving generously by simply receiving her at his feet, not condemning her. Jesus is loving her generously by welcoming her into his presence, even though dot, 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 all the stuff from her life in the streets. Like Jesus is loving her generously by accepting her into his embrace. Can, can you just see that? And can you just see this for what it is? It's a picture. It's a, it's, it's a frame that we're looking at. And there's Jesus. And there's this woman. And we know about her. But he knows about her and is loving her generously despite all of it. And if he can do it for her, he can do it for you. Anytime, any human has the humility to say, Jesus, I missed the mark. I messed things up. Would you forgive me? His arms throw open wide to say, my daughter, my son, welcome into my mercy. I've imagined this moment and every moment like this from before you were even created, and I did everything that needed to be done so that you could be welcomed at my feet so that I could then lift you up in dignity. This is my Jesus loving generously in this moment. I see this woman coming, and she's loving Jesus generously, and I like that she did that because, man, I, I'm glad that he received that kind of extravagant love. And then I see Jesus loving her generously, and it's a snapshot, right? It's a picture in a frame. L let it be in a frame for you, and it's a model. It's a picture of what Jesus is looking for to show up in your life, both sides of that spectrum. That you and me would free ourselves up to be the ones who would say, I know how much the mercy that I live in costs. And so I'm not going to hold back on my love either. I'm going to come boldly in the presence of Jesus. And maybe sometimes I do need to come literally on my, bowing before him, crying out for his mercy. And his answer every time is, of course, I forgive you and receive you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Let's go. This is Jesus. Sometimes you, you might need to be in the posture that Jesus is in, loving generously somebody that has a, a whole reputation for whatever, fill in the blanks. Here's what, here's what I want to challenge you to do today, to embrace a simple MO for living. And it's just simply this. I love generously like Jesus. Very simple. Very simple to say. 
It's another thing to live it out. But I want you to just say it one time with me. Just say it. See what it feels like to say this. Ready to go. I love generously like Jesus. No, no, say it again. Say it again. I love generously like Jesus. Sometimes. In my good moments. And then a lot of other moments, maybe I have a long way to go. But this is my north star. Like, this is what I'm calibrating towards. Like, how, however I'm going to respond, whatever I'm going to do to react, well, well, this is my north star. I, help me, Jesus. I love generously like Jesus. I want that to begin to get into me and to inform how I am going to do this life and how I am going to respond to you and how I am going to show up for this and that and the other thing. Because this is what I see in this snapshot, in this frame of Jesus. She's loving generously. He's loving generously. And that is what captures our hearts about this moment is the generosity of love. And what's happening here is that the Pharisee is going crazy, going, no, 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 no. know she's a sinner. And Jesus knows. But Jesus, what he's doing as he's loving generously, you know what's happening? He's showing that Pharisee and you and me what God is really like. You see it? That's what's in this frame. It's, it's, it's a revelation of what God is really like. I want you to hear this. Psalm, Psalm 34, verse 18, it says that the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. I want you to read this with me. It's part of a revelation of the nature and character of God. Get it in your soul for a second. Ready, say it. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. This woman has a contrite spirit. She's not denying her sin. She's not saying, it doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want because it feels good. No, she's coming with a humble, contrite, broken heart, aware, I need his mercy. <laughs> I, I can't fix this. I need Jesus to save me. And, and this is a revelation of what God is like. Jesus welcoming her in this moment of her need and of her repentance and giving her her gift of forgiveness that she needs. What Jesus is demonstrating is what God is like. According to Psalm 103, verses 12, uh, 10 to 12, it says that God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is the revelation that Jesus in this, in this frame is exhibiting. Do you see it? You can read about it in Psalm 103, 10 to 12, like we just did, but you can look at this frame of Jesus welcoming this, this person and also dealing graciously with Pharisee Simon, because he's doing both, isn't he? He's not only loving that woman generously, he's also loving Simon the Pharisee generously. And it's easy to start being a Simon the Pharisee hater in this moment, right? I mean, you, especially when you give him, you know, a, a snide sound like I did. If that man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. I just made him even dirtier just now. But, but, but Jesus wants to love him too. And so for Jesus to, to love generously this man, Simon, he needs to invite him into a different frame of view about what's actually happening here. And so uh, we continue reading. It says, when the Pharisee had invited him, said this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He's a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Oh, you go ahead, teacher, Simon said. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to another, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, well, I suppose the one canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling. Look at this woman kneeling. Look at this woman kneeling here. Just pause on that for a minute. Leave it on the screen. Do you see what Jesus does? 
Jesus says, no, 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 no. I refuse to discuss this beloved daughter with a label that you want to slap on her. I refuse to discuss her even with a label she might want to slap on herself. She is not whatever label would be used. She is a woman <laughs> created in the image of God, valuable, worthwhile. And if we're going to talk about her, let's talk about her with some dignity. And so he says, look, I'm not going to let you ignore her. I'm not going to let you see her as her past or whatever else she's identifying. I want you to see her. See her. Look at this woman, he said. I love my Jesus. I said, come on, Simon, look at her. You want to make it about an agenda and an issue? She's a person. Look at her. Look at her. She's not invisible. She's not a social dilemma. She's a person. Look at her. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, though they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. A person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. My Jesus, loving generously. Yes, I want to clap for my Jesus, loving generously like that. And maybe giving you and me a new perspective. And maybe challenging you and I to step up our love game. <laughs> and to not let it just be something we talk about or uh, think about, but something instead that we live out. And what I see is that Jesus is revealing there's a correlation between your awareness of your need for God's mercy and love and the ability of that mercy and love of God to be poured out through you to a world that needs it. There's a correlation between your capacity to perceive how much God has loved you and to receive that and experience that and the degree to which that love and mercy can flow through you. And this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that God is looking at you and me as his church and saying, I need some people in the earth that would actually have a compass inside that says, yeah, whatever else is going on, here's what I'd do. I love generously like Jesus. <laughs> Holy Spirit, help me. This is where I'm going. This is the direction I'm choosing. And that is going to mean something in terms of how I live my life and what I choose to do. Luke 747, I guess you've got to revisit this. He said to her, or he said to Simon, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she's shown much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. I want you to catch this. Jesus is not overlooking her sin. Jesus is not saying, ah, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. He's not. He's acknowledging it for what it is. It's sin. It's sin is missing God's mark because the standard is God's holy perfection. Not our idea of what's good and good enough. I don't know. A lot of us would say to ourselves something like, I, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I, I even helped out on, on, a, on a special outreach for Thanksgiving. <laughs> we, we might. And God might look at us saying, I'm a pretty good person and say, that's, that's great. That's okay, but the standard is perfection, perfect holiness. And when we understand that, we get that we actually need the Savior. We try our best to do some good things thinking that that will make up the difference for the sin, the shameful stuff, the pride, the arrogance, the whatever. And it's like as though you're coming to the Grand Canyon thinking, I'm going to get myself across. Here, look, I brought a ladder. Let me stick this ladder out across the Grand Canyon, 
and it goes about 12 feet out. Good. You made a little bit of headway. Good for you. But then you've got a long way to go. And you're probably never going to make it. And Jesus comes on the scene in our lives saying, let me help you. And lays down his life and spans the entire chasm that you were trying to get across. I mean, this is the heart of the gospel. And from time to time, you and me who are believers, and a lot of us, I hope, are believers, need to come back to a place where we recognize the value of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we never lose sight of it. And I came here today to tell somebody, don't you ever lose sight of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Don't ever lose sight of it because of of the challenges that you're wrestling with or because of the amazing blessings of provision that you're now enjoying. Don't lose sight of what Jesus Christ has done for you, that he laid down his life and stretched out his arms on the cross and took the nails in his hands and the sin of your life was posted there into him so that one day you could stretch your hands out in total freedom knowing you are forgiven and fully alive in Jesus. Like, don't forget what Jesus has done for you, that he has taken the threat of hell and kicked it in its teeth and shut down its door and opened the gate of heaven for you so you would be able to live every day of your life saying, no matter what happens to me, I have a home forever in heaven with my God. Don't forget what Jesus Christ has done for you. He said, I'm going, but I'm going to send my spirit so you can be filled up on the inside with power that never stops with a lifting strength that never goes away. It's the Spirit of God that's been poured out and poured into you, and it's because of what Jesus did in nailing your sin to the cross so that you could be free to receive what he wants to give. Somebody shout amen. He's done a beautiful thing for you. He, he's done a beautiful thing for you. This woman, this woman in the frame, it happens to be obvious. Everybody knew her reputation. But was she really forgiven more? She's more aware of the forgiveness. But I think every one of us that would ever turn to Jesus and ask him to forgive us, all of us, it's a lot. What he's done for you, it's a lot. And so I think that the most fitting thing in the world for you, for you would be to come back to him with a lot of love and a willingness to say, you want to display your love in this world through me? Go ahead. Here I am. I love generously, like Jesus. That's what I want to be able to do. You go over to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, and it says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Why don't you just read that one with me? Ready? Go. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Say it one more time. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Keep it on the screen for a minute. I read this verse and I go, that that sounds like hyperbole. It sounds like superlative, right? But this is revelation. This is God saying, when you really boil it all down, here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for your faith to be alive inside of you, moving you to come through in this world with my love so that people can get a revelation of my love through you. So my question for you today is, how is the love of God evident in and through your life? And I don't ask this with condemnation. I just really want you to ruminate about it, think about it, and then determine, I'm going to take steps so that that question has a better answer in the months and years to come. How is the love of God evident in and through your life? Because you know what? I think there's some people that need to see it. And if you're going to live this out, I love generously, like Jesus, it's going to change some things. So that's the, that's the MO I'm asking you to embrace today. I love generously like Jesus. Let's say it again. I love generously like Jesus. One more time, say it. I love generously like Jesus. As I say this, I'm aware that I have so far to go. But nevertheless, I want this to be my calibration point, my North Star, the one that I come back to. And so it affects how I live. So what am I going to do about this, uh, this person at work that gets on my last nerve? Well, I love generously like Jesus. You better put that back up on the screen because I think we need some help. Ready? Say it again. I love generously like Jesus. So this person at work that gets on my last nerve, 
I love generously like Jesus. Help me, Holy Spirit. I'm going to need to reach even deeper and bring even more patience and not snap at them, but maybe even go the extra mile to say, hey, let's you and me get coffee sometime. Where did that come from? That was definitely the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I love generously like Jesus. Okay, so, so another example. Uh, how am I going to respond to my kid when she's throwing down the sass sauce like nobody's business? Well, I love generously like Jesus. So I'm going to control myself. I'm going to operate with the awareness that I am the one whose brain is fully formed. I'm going to step into that self-control and let them vent and then take a deep breath and smile at her, touch her on the shoulder and say, you know what? I love you. Just want you to know, even though you're feeling how you're feeling, I love you anyway. Why? Because I love generously like Jesus. And so I want to shoot in that direction. Another example, what am I going to do about this family member who's lonely and, uh, and just, even though I'm busy, what am I going to do? Well, I love generously like Jesus. So <clears throat> I was so planning on like watching Elf, <laughs> getting ready for the Christmas spirit, but I guess I'll have to show up at that lonely neighbor and, and be a part of their life so they feel some of God's goodness. I, I, I love Jesus, and I I'm love generously like Jesus. How am I going to deal with that, that teacher who I'm so frustrated with because I disagree with how she's running that classroom? And I, How am I going to do it? I'm going to send her a nasty email. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, or wait, wait, wait. I love generously like Jesus. Maybe instead of an email, I need to meet in person and I need to make sure I'm kind and show my gratitude first before addressing the thing. Do you see where this goes? It's so simple, right? I love generously, like Jesus. But then when we start getting into the, into the nitty-gritty, like that's where the rubber meets the road and that's where I'm praying that we would experience God coming through us. And it makes a big difference when we do. It makes a big difference when we choose to love generously like Jesus. Just a simple example. I was so happy uh, a few days ago. My son and his friend went to my mom's house. And she's, you know, she's a widow and on, on her own and going on 80. And, and so they came over, and I was so pleased that they were willing to do that. And they went over and set up the Christmas tree for her and put the Christmas lights on the house and... And, you know, spent an hour and a half of their time just doing that for her. And it, it was a blessing to her. It was happy for me as a dad to see that good thing taking place. And then the next day, uh, you know, my mom texted me to say, I was so happy to, have, uh, to see your kids uh, over at the house putting up the lights in the tree for me. It just changed everything for me. It changed my mood. It changed the weather, so to speak, in my heart and in the atmosphere. A little bit of loving generously can do that for somebody. Do you see what I'm saying? I thought maybe somebody would say amen for that. And so I want to commission you to be people who do it, who love generously, like Jesus. Are you willing to accept that commissioning? I want you to smile at me for a minute. Y'all look grumpy. <laughs> Thank you. Right here in the front row, especially. <laughs> I commission you to love generously, like Jesus. And Holy Spirit's going to show you however that needs to look in whatever situation. But remember this M.O. phrase. I love generously like Jesus. <laughs> and maybe you need to remember the thing I threw in there, which is help me, Holy Spirit. <laughs> and let's do it. I want you to take a moment and just pray with me. And uh, as you're praying, uh, just let me remind you of what we read in verse 50. It said, Jesus said to this woman... Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus said to that woman, your faith has saved you. Her faith was in Jesus. And then Jesus did the work that provides the mercy and the grace so she can be saved. But her faith was part of it. Her willingness to turn to him and acknowledge she needed him and to receive his gift. Her faith prompted her to do that. And her faith was part of the equation of how she came to be saved. And I just want to say this to somebody. 
you, you did good by coming to a church service today. But really what you need more than anything is to come to Jesus. And maybe you don't need to come on your knees weeping like this lady did. Or maybe you do. I don't know. But to come to Jesus and to say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me and save me. Jesus says, ah, your faith saved you. Your faith in Jesus brings salvation. To be saved means your sin is forgiven. It's washed off of you. And then you get to live every day with new mercy from God available to you through Jesus. And you get to live here and now with the power of the Holy Spirit to lift you in every moment when you need lifting. And to be saved means ultimately you do not have any threat of hell because Jesus has opened the door to heaven for you. This is all part of what it means to be saved. And for somebody, you, you think stretching your little ladder across the Grand Canyon, so to speak, is how you're going to get saved. It just doesn't work that way. It's just Jesus. He's the only one that can span the distance. And if you want to experience salvation, you need Jesus. You need to ask him to forgive you and save you. And so I want us to pray together that, uh, that Jesus would wake some of us up. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for this uh, moment, this, this one frame around a moment of Jesus, this lady that everybody else looked down on as just nothing but a sinner. And Jesus, there you are in this frame, and you're just welcoming her, accepting her. And then the words are, she's forgiven are spoken over her. Thank you, Jesus, that that's what you're like. Well, somebody just say, thank you, Jesus, that that's what you're like. Thank you, Jesus, that that's what you're like. If you were like that for her, I believe you could be like that for me. I believe you could be like that for any one of us. Thank you, Jesus, that that's what you're like. Thank you, Jesus, that's what you're like. Thank you, Jesus, that's what you're like. While we're praying together, for somebody, you know, those words that Jesus spoke, your faith has saved you. The faith in Jesus, that moment of the, the, the switch flipping from I don't care and I don't know to I believe. I believe in Jesus. You will still have many questions. You will still have many things you will need to learn. But at some point, that switch needs to be flipped. Being saved depends on it. You finally acknowledging, I need Jesus. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sins. While we're praying together, if you're sitting here saying, I think I need to do that. I think I need to ask Jesus to forgive me and save me. I want to be saved. I want to invite you to respond right now with faith in Jesus. And in this moment, for somebody, what I'm asking you to do is let the switch get flipped. And for you, it means to finally say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Would you forgive my sins and save my life and cry out to him? Cry, cry out in prayer today. If you're here today and you would say, I think I need to do that. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. If that's true for you and you're finally ready to say, I want to ask Jesus to save me. Right now, would you just raise your hand really high with me? Raise one hand really high. Just make it known in this moment. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me and save me. Just raise your hand really high and don't hold back. Over on my left over here, thank you. If there's anyone else, just make sure you raise it real high. I want to connect with you. I want to pray with you about this. It, up in the back, in the middle, in the right over there, thank you. Anyone else, I just want to, on my right over here, in the, in the middle on my right, thank you. So those with, with your hands raised, and if you're joining us online, then you just type in, I want to give my life to Jesus. And then now let's pray together. You have your hand raised, but now raise your heart in prayer. You just simply say, begin something like this, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You can say that with me, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You can say it again, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I give you my life. I'm asking you to forgive me and save me. Just say it to him, Jesus, I believe that you paid the price for all my sin when you died on the cross. So Jesus, would you forgive me and save me now? I'm yours from this moment on. Thank you for this gift of new life. I receive it. Hey, those of you who had your hand raised, what you just did in this moment is you engaged faith in Jesus. 
And I'll say to you what he said to that woman. Your faith has saved you. Your faith in him. You're saved. And don't you ever doubt it. From this moment on, you're saved. You're saved. And you can just put your hand on your heart. Those four of you that had just prayed this way, put your hand on your heart and just say, I'm saved by Jesus. I'm saved by Jesus. I'm saved by Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be. Okay, so as you're standing, listen, I want to tell you a testimony in our first service this morning. I had a word of knowledge to pray for somebody's elbows uh, to be healed. It was a word of knowledge. And it happened. There was one person in, that testified. God healed his elbows. I love that. I love when that happens. That's the love of God on display. And then after the service, another brother came over to me and said, I, I don't know what to tell you, but you didn't say shoulders. You said elbows. But but I, I needed God to touch my shoulders, and for two months, I hadn't been able to lift them over, over my head. And, and this man, this brother, with tears in his eyes, is saying, I want to show you something. He threw his arms in the air and said, God did this. He healed me. You didn't even ask about shoulders, but when we were praying, God did that. Listen, don't, don't, you, don't you want to experience the kingdom of God? And don't you know that Jesus, it says in Acts 10, 38, went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil. Like that's just Bible. And we don't need to think about it as uncomfortable. We, we need to think about it as this is love in fuller measure coming through for somebody's physical needs even. So let's just take a moment and press in for just a couple of minutes in prayer. Would you press in with me? And Father, I pray that in this moment, that, Lord, you would bring uh, a demonstration of your love that we could feel and sense in physical bodies. And if there's any word of knowledge, Lord, that you want to give for a specific kind of healing, I'm asking for that now, God, that we would be able to partner with you for out of all the things that could be done. What is the one that's on your heart right now for us to, uh, to experience, Lord? Okay, so shoulders. Shoulders. Yeah, shoulders. I, I really do want to, I, I believe that the fact that God did that for this one brother earlier today is a sign to me of something he wants to keep doing. So if you're here right now and you're going, man, I'm, I came in with my shoulders out of whack in pain and I can't lift it up, then uh, would you raise your hand? And if you can't raise your hand above your head, at least raise it where you can. Right over here, keep your hand up for a moment. We're, we're going to pray for healing in shoulders. And so our ministry team is going to come over here and here, and if there's someone else right here, if you don't mind, if you keep your hand up, that means you want to be prayed for. And I need prayer team people, anybody with faith for what Jesus Christ can do, to come and lay a hand on a shoulder that needs a touch from heaven. If you believe that Jesus can bring his healing to someone's physical body because of what he did, then go, go lay your hands on a person that has one hand raised. Raise your one hand if you need prayer over a shoulder. If your hand is raised high, that means you, you need prayer for your shoulder. Everyone else, right where you are, even at home, pray for God's healing to happen in physical bodies. We follow Jesus, the healer, and he's doing some healing right now. And so if some, and, and around this room, would you take a moment and just pray in the spirit? Pray in the spirit. God, would you let your healing come right in this moment? We worship you delight in you. We believe that you're able to do anything and that uh, it, it is impossible with man, but nothing's impossible with God. And we believe, Lord, for shoulders to be healed right now throughout this room and even at home, for shoulders to be healed even right now. I believe, God, that you are on the move, that you are present, and you, even as we're laying hands on a few people, that Holy Spirit, you're moving. Now, for somebody else, you're a long-time believer, but you find yourself thinking, what's going on right here? I just need for you to, to understand that it's the heart of God to bring healing. Jesus wouldn't have done it again and again and again if he didn't mean for us to also follow him in this. So pray in the Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you bring your 
your physical healing touch in these shoulders who need it. What I see in the spirit is, is, is it's like as though fire is resting on each of the shoulders that's being prayed for. Like fire from heaven is dealing with what needs to be dealt with. You might even feel a, a, a sense of heat burning in that shoulder right now. And it's because the Holy Spirit is on the move, touching you for healing. So I want to just ask you to take 30 seconds around this room and lift your voice to say, Jesus Christ, I believe that you're healing people right now. Would you lift your voice with me 30 seconds? Jesus Christ, I believe that you're healing people. Say it again, Jesus Christ, I believe that you're healing people. Say it one more time, Jesus Christ, I believe that you are healing people because you love people and you want for your sons and daughters to have a touch from heaven that is unmistakable. And while we're praying for shoulders, I also pray, God, for those who have recently received a diagnosis of cancer, God, that this moment would be a line in the sand where your healing from heaven begins to flood into bodies so that cancer is pushed back and we will hear the testimony of the healing that has come. We believe you for that, God. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over every physical body in this gathering, and we trust you, Jesus, to demonstrate your goodness and love in this moment. Thank you, Lord, for your healing touch happening right now in this room. Thank you, Lord. You can all put your hands down now. Okay, for, for some of you that we prayed for your shoulder just now, you're going to need to figure out, did the healing happen right here and right now, or is it something that's progressing? But I believe that for some of you, there's been a touch from heaven in your physical body. Can you just check it out right now? Like maybe for somebody, you need to throw your hands over your head and see if you can do that, because you couldn't before. And do you, if you feel that God touched your physical body and healed you, I want you to put both hands high in the air. If you feel that God touched you and healed you. Okay, keep, keep those hands up for a moment. And turn the lights on. Turn the lights on. Here and here, keep it up for a moment. And right here, too, keep it up for a moment. And right over there, keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up, and keep it up because you're grateful for what God did. Keep it up. Keep them up for a moment. I just want to say well done for having the courage to believe, to be able to say, let them pray for me. I don't know, but to see that Jesus would come. And for everyone else, let this build your faith to know that we're not making something up. Like either God touched this woman's arms and shoulders and his shoulders and, or not. And they say he did. That's their testimony. That's your testimony, church. It's what we get to experience together. Glory to you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your goodness and for your love. And we declare we're going to keep on building our lives that way, on your love. I want you to just sing that out. I build my life. 